Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Got to say, cannot stand English rugby. Absolutely hate it. Love English football. Cannot stand English rugby. Absolutely thrilled that Scotland beat them. Shove it up the English, I say, when it comes to rugby. Going to head to that part of the world now. Andy Burke, who's a presenter and journalist with BBC Scotland, joins us on the programme. Andy, good evening. Welcome. Good evening, Mark. How's it going? Very good, thank you. I love that Scottish accent. I get you. I, I, I guarantee if you came down here, and I don't know your circumstances, tongue-in-cheek, but if you came down here, you'd have the ladies lining up for you, Andy. Well, let me tell you, I was in New Zealand uh, 20 years ago on a rugby tour, uh, 20 years ago this year, would you believe? And uh, I don't remember too many ladies lining up, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the case, but I appreciate the sentiment. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, th- I'd imagine that would have cr- created a real sense of nationalism, winning the Calcutta Cup on the weekend against the English? Yeah, listen. It was a it was a brilliant victory for Scotland, uh, thoroughly deserved. And it, I think what people are taking most pride in is that it wasn't a kind of smash and grab job. It was off the back of a really superb Scotland performance. And um, it's like London buses. Scotland waited thirty eight years to to win down at Twickenham, and now they've gone back to back. So it's a a pretty extraordinary run they're having in the in the Calcutta Cup in recent times. Yeah, what do you put that down to? I mean, clearly well coached with Gregor Townsend, but what do you put that down to? What is happening in Scottish rugby to see you move away from sort of being minnows to now genuine contenders? And I say, what you know, you've got a chance at the Rugby World Cup. You genuinely have. You're certainly on the right side of the draw. Uh, well, I don't know if we're on the right side of the draw, given we've got Ireland and South Africa in the pool. So that's looking very, very difficult. Um, and a lot of talk right now at the moment about the the wisdom of having a World Cup draw almost three years out from the tournament, which means uh, Scotland have risen to fifth in the world, and it means that three of the top five uh, in the current rankings are in the same pool, so that seems a bit back to front. But, yeah, Scotland have been have been improving in recent years, there's no doubt about that. That started uh, under Vern Cotter when he came in uh, 20, 2014, and he really started the ball rolling. He brought through... Some players like uh, Stuart Hogg, Finn Russell, uh, Johnny Gray, a few others. Uh, and we got a good crop for the first time in quite some time. Uh, and what Gregor Townsend has done is, is built upon that and also built the, the depth of the squad, which mm. Scotland have never really been able to enjoy. We've got a limited player pool. We have had to make use of the, the residency rules and the, the family lineage rules and things like that. You know, that's a, a big debate, but Scotland don't have the the production line of a New Zealand or an England or an Ireland, so they have to be creative and and the type of players they can get access to. But they've they've done that and they've also upped the skill level. You saw that on on Saturday with that winning try, backs and forwards playing at a real high level late in the game. The skill level was through the roof, and 
Scotland aren't just a, a bosh it up the middle and, mm. and kick it up in the air type of team anymore. They know how to play rugby. Yeah, the Duane Vandermeer try has certainly got a lot of coverage over here. People are talking about it, you know, very in the in the mould of Jonah Lomu. And I'd imagine that, you know, sometimes you need 10 or 15 years to truly appreciate a moment. That, that surely must go down as one of the great Scottish tries of all time. Perhaps the great Scottish try of all time. I mean, I was in the, the radio gantry at Twickenham and our jaws were on the floor when, when Van, Van der Merwe went over the line. It's it's one of those moments that really takes the breath away and was a, a privilege to watch live. And uh, we were speaking to, to Ben White, the scrum half, on our podcast yesterday and he was doing what all good scrum halves do, running a great support line. And he says, when, when Doohan beat one, beat two, I'm just waiting on the offload. I'm waiting on the offload. He says he just kept going, kept beating men, and and over he went. It was astonishing. I mean, I'm sure uh, the English defence coach Kevin Sinfield will have been tearing his hair out mm. from their perspective, but from Duhan's perspective, you mentioned that Jonah Lomu. That was uh, exactly what uh, Gregor Townsend said after the game. He said it was like playing the computer game Jonah Lomu rugby, where Jonah's bigger and faster than everyone else. That's what it was like watching Duhan mm. slalom through the England defence. What's been the reaction to Steve Borthwick's comments? I mean, off the back of the loss, he's basically come out and just really blamed Eddie Jones and said, look, I've just inherited a team. They've been absolutely crap in every area of it, um, which hasn't gone down that well here. I mean, you want a little bit of humility. I mean, I'd imagine that Eddie Jones is probably a bit embarrassed that he ended up losing his Australian job. I mean, he bounced back pretty quickly. He's in charge of Australia. But the reality is, it's your team, Steve Borthwick. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that, to be fair, because Steve Borthwick um, has come across as a really kind of respectful and humble guy. And that had been a lot of the chat and the build-up to the game, just how different he was to Eddie Jones. Normally in Calcutta Cup week, he would have Eddie firing verbal barbs through the media all week, ramping it up and, and very much making it about Eddie, whereas Steve is a lot more understated and... He was very respectful of Scotland in the in the build up, um, and he's normally pretty respectful of everyone. So I don't know if it was just the pain of defeat mm. that that brought that out for him, but it was a bit of a surprise. I would say in his defence, he did have two weeks with these guys to get them to get them up and running, mm. and, and clearly that's not a lot of time to turn around a team that that did look pretty ordinary for for large mm. parts of the autumn, but. Yeah, it never goes down blaming your uh, well, blaming your predecessor, does it? I think you're right. A little bit of humility and, and take the defeat on the chin might have been a better way to go yeah. there. Uh, many people here felt last year that Scotland had a real chance of beating the All Blacks. Like, we don't think we've got a very good All Black team. We Most of us don't really believe in the current coaching setup within the All Blacks and that we might be in a bit of difficulty over the next couple of years, even with the depth of players coming through, you know, in comparison to the high standards that we've set. But with Scotland, I mean, a couple of draws, never beaten us. Is, is it is it a bit of a mental block? Is it psychological? Do they believe they can beat New Zealand? I think there is a bit of a mental block there, that that aura of the All Blacks. I think you're right. The, the current New Zealand team is not one of the great All Black sides, but the All Blacks still do carry that aura. Um, and it was similar with England in recent times. Scotland, you know, we've... we've uh, Beaten them four out the last six now, um, four, four wins and a draw in the last six meetings with England. Before that, we went 10 years without beating them. And I think Gregor Townsend, um, one of his big successes has been to get his team to overcome that mental block. The problem with New Zealand is we very rarely get a shot mm. at New Zealand. Um, these games don't come around very often. I think it's two meetings in the last 
five or six years, um, it's not a lot of, of opportunity to kind of dismantle that mm-hmm. aura. In the last two or three meetings have been very close at Murrayfield. Uh, Scotland have gone very close, have got themselves into a position to to maybe be able to win the game and have just not been able to get to get over the line. And I know it's a frustration to Gregor Townsend, it's a frustration to to a lot of us in Scotland that, that we don't get a chance to test ourselves against the All Blacks uh, all that often because I think the only way you can get closer to these teams is to pit yourselves against them more regularly. Mm. I mean, Scotland, um, again, they always endear themselves to New Zealanders, as do the Welsh. Uh, as do the Irish. In fact, anybody but the English, to be perfectly honest. I'm not sure why that is. <laughs> uh, that just seems to be a common trait around the world. Uh, when when Scotland are playing and they're playing in the Six Nations and they're playing these big tests, is it a case of the entire country tuning in or is there very much a rugby public and very much a football public or is Scotland, like New Zealand, just sort of into their sport and you know happy to cross codes? Well, listen. Scotland is a football country. There is absolutely no doubt about that. If you if you read our back pages, you'll need to scroll through ten or twelve pages before you get to anything other than football. Football is the religion in Scotland. Uh, rugby's probably second, and then you're kind of falling off a bit of a cliff for the other sports to get a look in. So, the the, the time that that changes is during the Six Nations when when the interest does really ramp up. Uh, I think I read today that there was a, a million and a half Scots tuned into the to the Scotland the, the England Scotland game at the weekend. That's about a quarter of the population. So this is the time of year when rugby really starts to take centre stage and when you pull off a victory victory like Scotland did on the weekend, then then that interest Will only will only rise. The problem has been for Scotland is is backing it up. They've only ever won their opening match of the Six Nations four times in the Six Nations era, and every single time mm. they've gone on to lose in round two, three of those times to Wales. So, if Scotland want to kind of break through and 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 generate a bit more interest in the team, then they need to kind of back this up and and go on a bit of a run and and capture some imaginations. Mm. You mentioned football, actually, uh, most. New Zealanders here, or certainly the older generation, I always remember the 1982 Football World Cup. We actually played Scotland uh, in group play in, in Spain in 1982. We ended up losing 5-2. Um, but boy, it was not a bad Scottish side. Kenny Dalgleish, Alan Hansen, Graham Soonis. I'm a Liverpool boy, mate, so I can remember that. The likes of the great Gordon Strachan, <laughs> uh, Alan Evans, Frank Gray. I mean, it was, it was a hell of a side, actually. John Walk. Yeah, well, listen, that was, uh, I have to say, that was two years before I was born, so your memories will be uh, a lot better than mine, but those are some of the the names um, that stand out in Scottish football folklore, Mm. and our records uh, in recent times of of merely getting to World Cups is is pitiful. We've not been at one since 1998, but even down the years when we managed to get to football World Cup finals, uh, victories have been very hard to come by. So I think that that win over New Zealand is is fondly remembered still <laughs> by many people here. Yeah, uh, look, we've actually been having a bit of a music theme tonight on the programme off the back of the breaks coming out of the top of the hour. We've been playing songs that at some point in history have been banned by music stations or by particular television stations, etc. And we did this because of the ridiculous banning of Delilah at the Principality Stadium in Wales because of a derogatory line within the song. What's been the reaction to Wales' handling of this? Have people agree with the decision or is this just what we call over here just, you know, 
the woke or the minority dictating to the silent majority? Well, from the, the social media videos I've seen, um, the, the Wales fans have, have started belting out Delilah with extra gusto now that this decision has been made. Uh, I think it's it's been taken as a bit of virtue signalling, to be honest. I don't think anyone um, has been particularly impressed by the move. That, that They don't think it's, um, you know, it's going to particularly change attitudes or things like that. I think it's the WRU solving a problem that wasn't really there to be honest so yeah I think uh, nobody's really been too impressed with that decision and uh, like anything else uh, when you ban something whether it's from a radio station or a a rugby stadium it just tends to increase its popularity doesn't it Mm -hmm. okay let's just switch back to the Six Nations this weekend you take on Wales you're at home Um, I'd imagine Scotland will go and feeling pretty confident Confident after that performance uh, on the weekend, but certainly wary uh, of a uh, a wounded Wales team. Wales look like they are at the end of a cycle of a golden generation. They're still, you know, Warren Gatland has come back in. They're trying to recapture the the Gatland magic with him. They've still got a lot of the old guard uh, through the spine of their team. George North, Dan Bigger, Ken Owens, Alan jones Justin Tipperick, Tulupi Falatau. They're still relying on guys that they were relying on 10 years ago. And you wonder at what stage, to, you know, is it last orders for these guys? So Scotland going as favourites, but Wales mm. have had the hex on them in recent times so that nobody in Scotland is taking anything for granted. The, the record of, of backing up wins, as I said earlier, is appalling. They've never won two from two to open the Six Nations in the Six Nations era. So that is a big mental hurdle to get over. But... If Scotland get it right, if they deliver a performance like they did on on Saturday at Twickenham, then I think they should be too good for Wales. We saw Italy beat Australia last year. We saw the Italians push France very close in the first round of the Six Nations. What's changed with Italian rugby? Why are we starting to see them maybe, maybe just finally start to fulfil their potential? I think Kieran Crowley has to take a, a huge amount of credit. He... He was previously at Benetton, and he, he got them being a far more competitive side in the in the URC, the the Italian sides. Both of both of them were were kind of the whipping boys, but Benetton in recent times have really stepped up, and and that's no longer an easy game to go out there and, and play against them. And he's now taken that into the Italian setup. They look a lot more organised. Uh, they they seem to have a game plan that they're sticking to, and they seem to have some players now coming through. Ange Capiozzo is the, the obvious example, a real live wire at fullback who can make anything happen. Uh, and you've some some big performance in the in that pack. Sebastian Negri uh, at the forefront as well. Fantastic player. So they, they seem to have a, a bit of a crop coming through. What I thought against France was as well as they played, they were still a little bit naive and had they had a bit more... Um, if they've been a bit more streetwise, they might have, have got themselves over the line. I think they could be doing with a number 10 coming through. I think that's an area that they are lacking. Uh, Tommaso Allen, or Tommy Allen as we know him in Scotland, because he's a Scottish-born boy. Um, perfectly competent, number 10, but you look at the 10s around the Six Nations, Roman Intimac, Finn Russell, uh, you know Marcus Smith, Johnny Sexton, you know all these teams have a top-class number 10, and I don't think Tommy Allen is quite at that level. So 
I think they need someone coming through there, but the signs have been good for Italy. They are, they look far more competitive, and I don't think England will be will be overlooking them at, at Twickenham this weekend. Okay, Andy Burke, I do want to just wrap it up, but um, you know we've clearly had a lot of women texting in since you've been on. Our women's audience has improved with that Scottish accent, as I said. <laughs> as I said, um, I don't know you, but you sound like a very attractive man in a very very platonic way. I must emphasise that. But if people do want to hear your dulcet tones, what you do have a podcast, do you? We do have a podcast, the BBC Scotland Rugby Podcast. You can find that on BBC Sounds or wherever you get your podcast. So, yes, all are welcome. Please come and have a listen. Andy Burke, lovely to have you on the programme. Thoroughly enjoyed our chat. Good man. Thanks, Mark. All the best. There you go.